Welcome to episode three of Digital Media and Tech in Dubai, our brand new podcast focused on bringing listeners topical segments and informative conversations with local experts exploring the latest news and developments in the digital media and tech scene in the burgeoning international capital that is Dubai. I'm Spencer Stryker, professor of digital media at the American University in Dubai. All episodes are recorded on location at AUD in the heart of Dubai's media city. Special guest for episode three, Ibn Battuta Goes Digital, is Nick Lewis, social media director for Holler, Leo Burnett Mina. A specialist in non-traditional content, after the acquisition of Holler by Leo Burnett Mina back in 2011, Nick came to Dubai as part of the flagship team tasked with bringing Holler's creative digital strategies to the region. Topics discussed in episode three include the experience of taking Holler Creative from London to Dubai and Nick's observation of the city's rapid shift to mobile and the social web. Nick's analogy that digital and social technologies can be like the Ibn Battuta of interconnectedness and some of Nick's opinions as to who are the key influencers in the region. Nick talks about the strategic campaigns for both Samsung and Red Bull in Dubai including tapping into niche crowd cultures in the city via unique technical and creative approaches. For Red Bull, Leo Burnett launched the hysterical Flug Tag event in Dubai, creating compelling lo-fi content while targeting micro-communities with some clever storytelling. Finally, Nick discusses the exciting digital and creative challenges and opportunities surrounding the run-up to Dubai 2020. Hope you enjoy episode three of Digital Media and Tech in Dubai, featuring our special guest, Nick Lewis, social media director for Holler, Leo Burnett, Mina. We should start by talking about what Holler is, just to make sure yeah. people know, and the origin of Holler. Yeah. So we're um, a digital creative agency. I would, well, loosely just say creative agency, really, but we happen to play in the digital space. And they were started maybe about 12 years ago uh, by James Kirkham and Will Pine. And they were acquired four years ago by Leo Burnett. Um, and that's how I ended up at Leo Burnett in MENA because I came to open the satellite offering uh, for Holler uh, in London, but our Middle Eastern outpost, basically. And so you came in right after the acquisition by... Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. And then what was the... How did you wind up coming to Dubai? What was that? Um, so the... We were having lots of conversations. Uh, the um, team was expanding in London. Uh, when I arrived, we were about 30... 35 people. By the time I came to open the the Middle Eastern outpost, we were near 80. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was all very quite exciting because we were uh, opening an outpost in California and San Francisco and in other parts of the world as well. And there was an opportunity to, to see if we could bring some of our thinking from the UK to here. So when Holler started, 
it became quite well known um, for the launch of a television show called Skins in the UK, which okay. was a, a youth uh, TV show. Mm -hmm. And um, it was around the time when MySpace was getting pretty popular. Okay. And they completely launched the show through MySpace. So oh, they yeah. created the backstories for the characters. I think I remember that, yeah, actually. It yeah, was, uh, it was really cool. And we've done gone on to do lots of really interesting and innovative work. One of the big projects that I was involved in uh, was the Mercedes-Benz U-Drive campaign in mm -hmm. 2012. Mm -hmm. And so that was where we gave the consumer the chance to uh, direct the TV commercial. You chose what happened in the next break and created a story around the characters. So Holler was doing this really innovative stuff, particularly in the space of kind of inter uh, online video mm. and interactive video. Uh, online video and, um, you know, creative uh, content basically that just sat in, in kind of non-traditional spaces. So we did stuff for the likes of Innocent Drinks where um, called Tweet and Eat where um, they launched a new food pot and uh, the more you tweeted the lower the price came. Okay. And so it was you know things of that nature that just took the understanding of the technology but really applied it to cultural That's clever. Uh, That's ways. good. In other words a sophisticated use of using the social media technology. Yeah. And so you were doing something special, and then basically Leo Burnett acquired yeah. the company. Yeah. Uh, but then they decided to bring that company a presence in Dubai. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then you came along with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. So what was that experience like taking the work you were doing at Holler to Dubai? Um, it, it was a real challenge. I think something that's particularly interesting here that I noticed quite early on uh, was that um, the Middle East kind of missed desktop online culture. Right. So the idea of very prevalent websites, blogs, forums, that didn't really catch on as much and went straight to mobile. So, you know, with That's the advent of smartphones. They skipped that whole sort of generation. Yeah, yeah, it certainly felt like that. I think, um, you know, when I probably was first online, um, that, that definitely same experience and that idea of blog spots and people blogging much more readily probably didn't really catch fire as much here, um, maybe post-Arab Spring. Mm. Um, but this then, the social web became really, really powerful. Right, because would you agree that like Instagram is pretty big here? Yeah. And, you know. Yeah, all of these platforms, like Snapchat has really high adoption rates. Mobile yeah. penetration is, is huge across, across the region. Um, and also, you know, culturally as well, things like YouTube become very important. It's kind of like a gateway to, uh, the, the rest of the world or things that maybe that are maybe restricted or aren't available through traditional media here. Right. It's like the Ivan Batuta for, uh, for kids and teenagers to mm -hmm. explore and find things. Uh, okay, you have to explain to anyone who might be listening who doesn't live in Dubai who Ivan Batuta is. Yeah, my pronunciation is probably really <laughs> terrible, but he was a very famous um, Arab explorer right. uh, from Yonder. And we have the Ibn Battuta Mall as well. Yeah, we do indeed. That's quite a garish building. And it, each corner is dressed and, and sets like a, a different place he, he went to. So mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's quite an interesting place. So you see, so the, the analogy you're making is that like sort of uh, a mobile, digital kind of <clears throat> certain platforms are like the Ibn Battuta. Is the, the Almost, yeah. It's kind of like the vehicle for, for, mm -hmm. for kind of worldly experience. That's and, very and nice. So I like that. I like that uh, analogy. It's creative. And um, and yeah, it's given obviously a huge amount of freedom as well. Not only um, in terms of what you can access, but also what you can create mm -hmm. and how uh, you identify 
yourself and, and what you're about. Um, you know, it's, at times can be a fairly traditional society. So if young people are, you'll be a doctor, my boy, kind of uh, mm -hmm. attitude, but they're really creative, mm -hmm. then they can also have an outlet for that in a mm -hmm. way that maybe they wouldn't have been able to before. And what's come with that as well, um, because of maybe uh, the traditional media landscape not really as diverse or um, creative in, in some senses, um, it's them really galvanize audiences around really fascinating individuals. So mm -hmm. um, you have high reach of, of Instagram users, influencers across all of these platforms. In, but, in, in your experience, who would be some of these uh, key influencers here? And uh, I've asked this question to a couple of the other guests as well. It all really kind of depends on, on kind of what fields that you're looking at. I think it's quite interesting here now that there's some really cool niches that mm -hmm. are starting to develop and form. The mm -hmm. art and creative community here is really um, mm -hmm. starting to gain a lot of traction so yep. people like El Seed for instance who's based in Dubai is uh, creating some beautiful incredible artwork and he did something very interesting in, in Egypt just recently where he painted a mural across like I think it was 55 or between 50 and 80 buildings when you got the vantage point from um, the cliffside you saw the whole picture okay. and he does some really nice stuff um, it's quite interesting but he's maybe not uh, big in terms of huge followings, he has a, a strong audience. Mm -hmm. And then it, it varies really, it depends, you know, you have very, like in kind of the UK or in the US, uh, you know, celebrity culture and these people are obviously very prevalent on these platforms, also have big audiences. Um, but yeah, Elseed is someone really cool and worth checking out. Who else do you like that you follow? Uh, here, that's a good question. Um, we've done some work and things with people like Sharif Ayad, um in Egypt, who's based here, who's quite an exciting young content creator. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few people. And in terms of fashion, we've done some things. Uh, there's a girl, uh, Nadia, who runs a, a platform called The uh, the Fierce Diaries, and I believe she's Emirati, and she's got a really um, awesome presence, really great style, and um, her creative and uh, visual kind of aesthetic is, is very strong. Um, and then I've worked all the way up to working with kind of big Lebanese pop stars and stuff. So there's a real mix, but it kind of mirrors similar kind of um, trends, I feel, that you'll see in maybe other parts of the world, uh, the types of people that are popular mm -hmm. and prevalent. There's a whole bunch of these people that are kind of um, impacting culture in their own way. and. Uh, um, that's great. And by the way, I'll put the links to these uh, to the Instagram profiles of these people you've mentioned in the description for the yeah. iTunes. Yeah, so there's some quite uh, broad uh, sets of quite young people that are doing some quite interesting work online. So let me ask you about um, some of the work you've done since you've been at Leo Burnett here in, in, uh, in mm -hmm. MENA. Mm -hmm. Like, what are some of the campaigns you've worked on? What kind of uh, creative strategies have you implemented yeah. and so on. So we, um, primarily uh, I worked with uh, Red Bull and Samsung here, Samsung cool. being my, my main client. And we've done a, a quite a lot of uh, strategic work with them. Uh, influencer space is something that we work with them quite closely on and how they work with, with people and audiences in passion points because they want to be associated with uh, you know lifestyle and, and popular culture right. so big fashion strategies which we've started to implement over the last sort of three months which have been quite interesting for uh, which, which company uh, for Samsung for so Samsung. Uh, they were just uh, this last week were at fashion forward which is a big fashion event here in the city kind okay. of like a, yeah. a mini New York fashion week mm -hmm. I suppose yeah 
And we did some very cool things with them on Twitter. So uh, we set up tweet cams at the runways so you could tweet and get an instant picture uh, based on the hashtag that you use. <clears throat> And that was that was quite cool, but also they've released a 360 camera recently, so we were doing 360 films from Just the show. For Samsung from yeah. the fashion show. Yeah. Interesting. And then in terms of the influencer partnership piece, um, the main piece of work we've done, which is quite interesting to look at because it's following some of the big global trends of how brands are starting to create content. Mm -hmm. And that's we work with the publisher Harper's Bazaar. Okay, and which they, is an iconic American... Uh, yes, one of the most famous, or the oldest, certainly, uh, yeah. fashion uh, publications in the world. Mm -hmm. And they've worked with Samsung globally on, right. a, on a number of things. Um, but we created some fashion films with them, uh, with local talent, a photographer who shot the... It was a video about him, but he conducts a fashion shoot solely using the Note 5 product. Oh, nice. And uh, he uses the functionality of the camera like a DSLR. So they're, they're That's like, smart. They're print-worthy print pictures. You know? I remember the first time I saw that was, I think, Spike Lee did a commercial where he did the whole thing with the iPhone 4. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that's such a good idea to say this entire thing was produced with the product mm -hmm. that we're, you know, advertising yeah and it um it was quite a rich piece of content it was really nice we shot <coughs> it out in the desert it was beautiful um but we went and worked where uh, the audience was primarily interested in this so harper's bazaar they, re they have good reach but they have a very credible voice in fashion mm -hmm. and we partnered the brand there to, to showcase the technology functionalities but also how technology is changing mm -hmm. fashion and creativity mm -hmm. in that way and uh, that's something that I think is, is very important now in that um, kind of helping to foster uh, creativity or communities for brands but more to the point of actually going where you can be relevant and achieving cultural relevance because mm -hmm. Um, taking a TVC commercial that we would shoot maybe about a fashion photographer that nobody knows and placing that on YouTube doesn't really have the impact and doesn't resonate as right, strongly. So you find hooks and ways to tie it into digital social culture, yeah. to tie it into technology, make it relevant. Yeah. I think the, the idea of crowd culture is really important as well for, mm -hmm. for brands to become to have the relevance that they want, I think it was... I How think, do you define crowd culture then? So crowd culture would be uh, like pockets and communities of people that are mm -hmm. interested in, in kind of uh, an area or a subculture and that they come together and uh, that's where they play and what they talk about on right. social platforms. So in other words, it's a kind of a, a, so a community online. Yeah. It's a niche which, which, has a, which follows something passionately. Yeah. Right. Um, and these people are generating... Uh, bigger audiences, uh, many more views than brands are, and probably aren't investing as much money either. You know? Right, right. So if you took Coca-Cola, for instance, they probably spend, I don't know, $30 million a year mm -hmm. on video content, YouTube mm -hmm. strategies. Mm -hmm. and but you're saying they, it hits a lot less. It hits yeah, them. they're not even in the top 500 channels in the world. And that, that goes all the way back to the beginning of the rise of online video and viral video, and there's essentially this dichotomy between authentic and sort of inauthentic content online. Yeah. Right? And that problem is much more prevalent now because um, the way the platforms are switching and paid media is, is in essence the most important part in, in some ways, um, it, it's changing how people approach to use the platform. So earned media is less prevalent because I can get my message in front of many more people now right. as the algorithms and, and the platforms change. 
But then with that, you then start to see people using the platforms like they would uh, a billboard advertisement on Shakeside Road. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's super important that they you build cultural relevance and and you work with with like-minded or creative people that can can kind of add that factor to the, to the brand itself. I think the the difficult thing at the moment is that obviously it's become much more about the numbers. Um, rather than the resonance of, of the campaign. So right. in some instances, though, Nielsen will work with Facebook to tell you kind of uh, work on brand love and brand affinity metrics based on the performance of your campaign. But that's very difficult. Hard to measure. measure. We had the same yeah. conversation with, similar anyway, with Joe Akawi, who was our last guest, and he runs Paz Marketing. He was talking about the difference between quantity and quality yep. of audience. Right? Yeah. It's an interesting point at the moment. Uh, um, links, Dubai Links, the advertising festival recently, right. they were talking a great deal about uh, this idea of uh, emotional impact of, of marketing and advertising. Right. And so they were talking about how they... Um, measure people's emotional reactions to a piece of content. Mm -hmm. um, and I think actually in large part, creative agencies are using this as a way to rebut uh, data and metrics and data-driven campaigns and responsiveness, and maybe even to push the media agency further down the scale of conversation. Mm -hmm. So obviously everyone has their own agenda in these in, on these platforms and scenarios, but um, I can understand why um, you know, death by numbers is, is kind of an interesting angle to take yeah. for, for creativity in itself. But. Well, let's, let's talk a bit about some of these campaigns you ran. So we, we talked about Samsung and Red Bull, but yeah. <clears throat> what is unique about, I mean, what is the adoption like of Samsung in Dubai? Uh, how do you kind of try to position that against the iPhone here? Because, uh, you know, we just had the big Apple store open in the Mall of the Emirates, yeah. and another one opened in Abu Dhabi. So what is your kind of creative thinking around that? Well, for the, for the first time um, in the region, Samsung is now not number one. Okay. Um, Android um, was much more prevalent. Um, smartphone um, users were much more inclined to use a Samsung. I think for a number of reasons, uh, availability, mm -hmm. price as well right. would, be, uh, would be a big factor in that. Uh, but now you're starting to see that shift. Um, especially with the likes of the store opening, um, much more Arabic content on things like iTunes. Um, mm -hmm. They're working very hard to build that ecosystem here. Uh, and it has that exoticness, right, and that glamour and mm -hmm. for here. Mm -hmm. uh, so so to, to, to Emiratis, you're saying, and to the region, Apple is more exotic? Yeah, I think so. So certainly more, uh, if not exotic, then... More maybe glamorous. Glamorous and, yeah. and premium. So a yeah. big a big role for Samsung and the role that we've been trying to play with them is, is to help build that the luxury brand credentials. And hence why we've gone and worked with people like Harper's Bazaar, uh, Fashion Forward, because, you know, the uh, fashion and luxury are so intertwined, even though fashion is such a big cultural force and there's many different layers to that. Um, it, it also <clears throat> has a, a premiumness to it. So that's, that's a bit of a challenge, but also um, not only from an aspirational point of view and helping to that maybe that entry-level market, we've done quite a lot with uh, youth audiences. Um, so we had a big campaign for, for A-series here um, that I just did the strategy for. We didn't do the creative how we how I've been working with Samsung is I work on the regional level. They'll take the thinking, and the local offices will then develop that strategy. So something that we we noticed here 
uh, with young audiences in the campaign that we won a silver Effies, which is an effectiveness marketing awards. And this was really about um, getting young people to, to go beyond the norm. So the campaign was called Not the Norm. Mm -hmm. And we recognised that if you were fairly young and you maybe 15 years ago, going to London was like a big, big deal. Mm -hmm. And if you had posted, you went to London on Facebook, if Facebook was here that time, uh, you'd get a lot of traction, a lot of likes. But that's no longer enough anymore for, for young people as mm -hmm. well here. So you would have to go to London and be on the London Eye with Prince Harry and the Chelsea football team, and then you would get some traction. And the camera for the new Age Series phone enabled a wide angle selfie. Mm. So we wanted to get people to think about how they can make the picture bigger to mm -hmm. make it more interesting. Mm -hmm. So the norm would be maybe taking a photo of a tourist on a camel on JBR, not the norm would be in the desert with four or five camels with a boat and a clown. <laughs> so yeah. something kind of satirical, right? That's yeah. kind of a bit bizarre and quite yeah. funny, yeah. but also injecting a big piece of humour into that work. Uh, to kind of resonate with young people that are actually looking for to stand out. And a big part of the youth culture here that we noticed is this idea of the shabab, or something that I learned here. And again, I really apologize for my Arabic pronunciation, but the idea of groups and cliques and the crew kind okay. of Okay, the idea. shabab, it means... Uh, uh, it means like a group of male friends, basically. I presume uh, there was a, a female uh, version of that <laughs> as well. But, um, but this like I am we kind of idea of like want to be with all the crew, uh, but I want to be slightly different. And you see mm -hmm. that how the guys dress here and stuff in mm -hmm. the Candora. Again, apologies, <coughs> and and how maybe they might accessorize that so it's still quite formal and look like everybody else. But there's a certain twist or panache that they put on that. Interesting observation. Now, when you're marketing, for example, and that's really interesting how you talk about bringing Samsung here and positioning it against the iPhone. But something like 85% of Dubai is expats, right? Mm -hmm. So what, how, does, how do you approach that? I mean, because you're talking about positioning for sort of, you know, Emiratis, right? Yeah, so, well, not necessarily Emirati, but because um, the Emirati population is very small here, relatively speaking, like you said. Um, something uh, which I'll touch on with in terms of Redbourne, who we work with, um, we had an uh, interesting strategic approach for their... Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of the event now, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, so they do um, an event where, flug tag, where you have to run off and you're, you're dressed in kind of this aircraft and you run off a pier and you see how far you can go. Wow, so that you, sounds a little scary. Uh, yeah, it's not that high. Yeah, it's okay. maybe eight, eight metres. And what's but, on the other side? Uh, you, they ran into Dubai Creek. So they do this oh, okay. all around the world, cool. flug tag, and okay. you create a flying machine, you see how far you can oh, fly. Oh, interesting. But that's that's something that's like an international kind Yeah, of it's an international event that, we, uh, that they brought here. It was the second time that they brought it here. And we looked at uh, how we could then take, using Facebook's uh, audience um, insights and technology of how we could do targeted communication. So say one key message, create something for, say, a Filipino audience, for mm. a South Asian audience, for an Arab expat audience, for an Emirati audience, for a Western expat audience. No, wait a second, these are all versions of the Fluke tag campaign? Or? Yeah, so we would have, we had like a lead message and it would be very simple things as well, like not even just sophisticated video, but uh, like posts that are then maybe in multiple languages that are targeted at different audiences, mm. different turns of phrase. So just experimenting with how you could sort of slightly 
position for these different communities. Yeah, and I think this is a way that uh, campaigns here um, can be really, really effective, is how you take that one big message and use social mm. to disseminate it across multiple interests or nationalities, yeah. uh, language as well, primarily. Um, Coca-Cola did something in the States a few years ago around uh, the Thanksgiving commercial where they had like a, a Hispanic person, African-American, a soldier, a gay person, a, you know, whatever. And they had one big uh, film which showed all of them and that was shown on TV. And then when you went online, on Facebook primarily, as a Hispanic person living in LA that was interested in X, Y, and Z, I would then follow that Latino story mm -hmm. as okay. opposed to everything. And I think you could do that here very well given the different types of people that you can communicate with. It wouldn't work for everything because economic factors and audience are split, <clears throat> not just by nationality, right? There's many pre prevailing issues with how you target people and what with. but. I, that's an exciting area for digital marketing, I believe, here, is how you treat multiple audiences with one single campaign. Interesting, um, very interesting. Which can be uh, quite a challenge. Now that, you know, how am I probably pronouncing it wrong? The Flug Tag, is mm -hmm. that what it's called? And that was for the Red Bull campaign? Yeah, yeah, so the, the event's called Flug Tag, right. and we created a series of, of kind of very lo-fi uh, video content and a lot of uh, still assets for them. And um, and we did it around recruitment of mm. teams. So mm. you actually have to uh, submit um, an idea for your team, and then you have to go away and build it once you get selected, and then you take part. In the, in the contest, event. I'm assuming, is you create a flying machine, you jump into the creek, and you see how far you can, can go. go. Yeah, okay. it's very funny. It's really <laughs> okay. great. It's right. amazing. I'll have to put a link to that. Yeah, you should. There's some the YouTube clips, I'm sure, of uh, of some amazingly talented, creative people. Is but, Red Bull the most popular? energy drink in UAE, in Dubai? Uh, I there is a competitor. There, there's there, a couple of competitors, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, Power could, Horse, right, is one of them. Yeah, there's a few. There's a couple of, um, of kind of lower market uh, products, but I'm not sure on the exact figures. So I, I'd love to say we were or they are, <laughs> but um, I think they're pretty high up there. Red Bull is typically a, life, a lifestyle brand, Yeah. right? I mean, yeah. the marketing, this creative strategy around it is like go out there, do some awesome kind of extreme sports. Yeah, or, right? or other push yourself um, into other fields. So like creativity is mm -hmm. another part of it. Okay. Um, so it's also do, associated with music. Yeah, too. very much so, yeah. We, yeah. They do a lot with music. So they, um, they, they have an interesting challenge here of how, how can they build um, talent and an audience right around something that maybe people don't necessarily know so much about but then that gives them an amazing opportunity if they find like the next big music producer and he's from you know um, Lebanon but he's moved to Dubai and they've worked with him here uh, and then he goes on to international claim for the brand to be a part of that story is a very very powerful thing I see. Um, and I think that's that's a really nice sentiment to have as well as, as a brand feel that something that's quite interesting here is that normally um, brands latch on to uh, creative cultures. So first the artists move into an area, make it cool, hip and trendy, then young professionals come in and then before you know it there's a Starbucks there. Okay. Uh, whereas actually here it'd have to be the other way around I believe. Mm. You need a slightly different Starbucks that looks and feels a little bit better, that encourages the creative community to mm. come there to do something. It gives the brand a really strong opportunity to be a part of someone's story and be a part of the city's story as well. It's so new, there's uh, a lot still to be done and achieved. You have 2020 coming. Um, 
and it's quite phenomenal what has been done here, but say for a brand to build a community here and make something really special happen in 15 years time, you know, people will look back and be like, wow, you know, Starbucks did this awesome thing, or mm -hmm. Red Bull did, did that. So you mentioned 2020. So what is, uh, what's Leo Burnett mean uh, thinking in that regard? What, what is their, do they have a creative strategy approach around 2020? Um, I would say not just yet. Um, it's a little bit of a way off. Um, Perhaps how does that affect sort of the creative, maybe the, I don't know, the digital social scene in Dubai more generally? Um, I think there's, uh, we've just seen recently with the launch of their new logo last week or the week before, and there's a lot of excitement. And I think maybe in other cities where there's been expos, so Milan recently, maybe in this build-up and this anticipation for the event, there's a lot of cynicism. Here, I don't feel that people are cynical around, around these types of events. I don't think so and either. They're, they're very proud and they're very excited by it. So not only f way before 2020, there's lots of opportunity to engage people mm -hmm. and amplify like strong, positive sentiment. And you know, even with something as you know, relatively unimportant in my eyes, the the logo itself. We've announced a new logo that trends on Twitter, and there's a big, big um, conversation around it. So there's definitely opportunity in the run up to it to help uh, shape and build conversation around Expo. Definitely, uh, and each week it seems now, you know, with the Opera House um, being uh, sort of starting to take much more shape and what they're going to do there. Um, th there's a bigger cultural conversation that's happening here that I feel probably wasn't happening, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. So Expo is really sort of laying the foundations for that. And as we get to 2020, it's only going to increase and, 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 and more of the like will, will happen, I'm sure. So a big opportunity for digital and social in Dubai and also a creative an opportunity for a lot of interesting creative stuff to happen. Oh uh, yeah, definitely, and also the opportunity to find new talent and emerging talent. People will be looking towards 2020 as of how they can make their mark in the city, uh, whether that's by being prepared and ready for it, or actually trying to be a part of the expo in itself. So uh, you'll see a lot of people are starting to have conversations and, and work on projects for sure.